Welcome to the Secret to My Success Show. Our guests will inspire, educate, and motivate our listeners who own a business or dream about being a business owner. Today's guests will share their stories and the secrets to their success. They have valuable insight with what they went through to start and grow their business. They will share the good, the bad, and the ugly. I promise it will be fun and valuable. Later in the show, former Major League Baseball player Luis Alaseo will be here talking to former celebrities and athletes about their transition from fame to being hands-on business owners. Good day, this is Alan, Secret to My Success, with Mr. Luis Salaseo. How you doing, Mr. Louis? Good, good, How are you, man? I gotta tell you, you are the great baseball prognosticator. You told me that the Yankees were not going to survive against good pitching, and what happened? They did not. Well, you know, I'll be honest, you know, once Ben and Tendi went down, and once... Uh, was and Lemieux went down their first baseman. Those are the two best, best solid hitters they have. And you know, you put those guys in the lineup, it actually stretches it out, and it's a little bit better. But once those guys went down, then it became uh, how many strikers we're going to have tonight, kind of, kind of game. So when you face good pitching in the playoffs, you know you're facing the top three guys. You're not just not going to get a lot of hits, and you can't win by home runs. So you got to score runs. Got to have guys on base. Yeah, they didn't manufacture many runs, did they? No, I mean, if you look at the Houston Astros, you know, they, they hit the ball the other way. They, you know, they, they, they don't, they choke up on the bat. They try to put the ball in play, you know, eliminate the strikeouts, especially nowadays with all these shifts going on and all that other stuff. You know, Rizzo tried to do it in the last game, but I think it was too late. I mean, if he had done that from the day one, you know, from the first game in the, in the series, you know, they, then maybe somebody will catch on and, and say, oh, you know what, if this guy's doing it, maybe let's, let's start to do the same thing. And I think uh, that would have probably helped. But, you know, the last game they tried, and he had a really good game, but I think he should have done that earlier. Lou, you called it on our show, said they were never going to withhold to good pitching, and you were absolutely right. But maybe we have to start renegotiating some major league contracts for you. <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> Well, Louis, we have a great guest today. We have a gentleman who's here to provide some really valuable information for business owners, and his name is Kostube. Hi, good morning. Kostube. How, how do you say that? Kostube. Like, uh, the way you would pronounce it is sort of like the coast, like West Coast, Kostube with the B at the end. Um, you know, it's spelled obviously differently, but if you had to spell it the way it sounds, it would be, I guess, C-O-A-S-T-O-O-B, Coastube. So, Coastube, where are you from? Uh, well, I'm originally from, I'm Indian, um, but I was raised in Michigan. Where in Michigan? Uh, Detroit, like a suburb of Detroit oh, okay. um, called Shelby Township, yeah. My kid's up there in Wyandotte. Oh, really? Oh, how excited. That's awesome. Yeah, yep. it's, a great, it's a great place to raise your kids, for sure, the Midwest. Right. He works for Ford. I'm not overly happy with him. But, hey, Louie, I think our buddy Tom is going to show up with my car this week. Finally. Yeah. How, how many months has that been? We ordered it January 18th. We're going into November. But let's not talk about that. Let's talk about you. So, Kostu, what do you do? So, you know, I'm based out of here in, in South Florida. Um, the firm's called Nick Law. Uh, what we do is 
Um, we handle all aspects of intellectual property. So when I say intellectual property, I mean patents, trademarks, uh, copyrights, trade secrets, uh, any kind of litigation, so enforcement of those four areas. We also do business law, so any kind of business formations, contracts, and of course, enforcing of any contracts, whether it's a breach, uh, etc. Okay. So there's a lot of misunderstandings about intellectual property. Some people say that once you post it, you own the right. You don't need a trademark. Is that true? No, that's not true. Uh, if you want exclusive rights and if you want to enforce those exclusive rights in a court of law, then it's imperative that you have it either registered, when you're talking about trademarks in particular, in your state that your business is located, and if you are in interstate commerce, meaning that you're rendering your goods and services to folks all over the country, uh, then federally with the United States Patent Trademark Office. Okay, so if you actually want to trademark your name so that other people in other states, obviously, if you incorporate in Florida, you've got a corporation, nobody can supposed to be able to create a corporation with a similar name. So how do you trademark that name if you want to be able to use it throughout the United States or the world? Yeah, good question. So first, I don't want people to get confused. And I often find that people are confused between what's a trade name and a trademark. A trade name is just that, the name of your company um, that you registered with with the division of corporations of whatever state your business is incorporated in. So, for example, your company could be ABC LLC, but that's not necessarily your trademark because your trademark could be the products or services you render under that mark. So that ABC LLC could be could have a trademark that's XYZ, and now that's your trademark because that's what you use to advertise, promote, sell um, your goods and services, and serves as a source identifier, if you will, of those goods and services. Uh, As far as the process is concerned, on a federal level, you could either uh, register the trademark yourself, or I highly recommend you hire an IP attorney like myself, or whoever you're comfortable with within your your locale to register that trademark federally with the United States Patent Office. What are the the fees Mm -hmm. for for the federal government to actually do that, just their fees alone? Yeah, typically there's two options. We typically file it under the $350 per class option, which is the T standard. Uh, It allows you to file... Uh, goods with one class. There's different classes uh, depending on the goods and services you render. And once you're able to identify what those, where, what class those goods and services fall in, um, you can then know whether or not they're in one class or two classes. But typically, one class is $350 is the filing fee. So I was actually told, and maybe this is not your area of law, but that in some cases, companies will create a separate company to hold their trade name or trademark. So if they ever get sued, if there's ever a problem, that they don't actually lose the trademark or the trade name. Is that true? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's that's certainly within the wheelhouse of what we recommend to certain clients, not all depending on where you are 
in the course of your business. Now, if you're a startup or if you're just starting a business, having a separate holding company for your intellectual property would make less sense, especially because you're on a budget and you want to keep things as simple as possible. Now, if you're a mature company, you have revenues coming in, you have a high propensity of getting potentially sued. Um, to limit those liabilities, we definitely recommend business owners to have a separate company uh, as a holding company for their intellectual property. So if you were to sue that company, uh, you're not necessarily suing the company directly. You would have to sue the holding company that owns the intellectual property. So the example would be if somebody has a major loss, there's a big lawsuit, basically puts you out of business, it closes the administrative part of the entity, but because the intellectual property is with a different company or holding name, you could actually create another company and start it all, all over again with the same trade name, correct? Yes, exactly. So you could have as many companies as you want um, and, and you know transfer the ownership or license that ownership uh, to those companies, and that the company can then thereafter use the trademark. The only requirement is that you are actually using the mark in commerce to, you know, either to make sales of your goods and services or at least offer them for sale to your consumers in commerce. I also want to say one more thing. Having a separate holding company for intellectual property also limits your liabilities because if you're Apple or Amazon where your intellectual property is worth not millions, but billions, you don't want necessarily your intellectual property to be um, part of a lawsuit that could eventually lose its value or its ownership. So it's always better to have it separate. That way you're protecting it uh, beyond just the protections of a corporation or an LLC that you normally get. Okay. So I'm going to ask you the next big question. It's gigantic. It's huge. Provisional patent versus a regular patent. Let's hear your sure. thoughts on this. And explain to our audience what a provisional versus a regular patent is. Sure. So before I dive into what's a provisional versus a non-provisional, let me just quickly tell your audience there's three types of patents uh, or inventions that you get to get a patent on. One is utility, anything that has a useful factor to it. Second one is the design Anything that has an ornamental value, so like design of your iPhone or design of your Android phone is an example there for design patent. Or number three is a plant patent. So plant patents are very rare. Like the avocado that you see in your supermarket, it's it, it actually at one time had a, a, a plant patent. It's anything that's been asexually reproduced um, uh, by the grower. So let's focus on the first two, the utility and and, and the design patent. Under the utility umbrella, you are allowed to file two types of applications. Uh, one of them is called a provisional. The other one is a non-provisional. The provisional application is an informal application that you file with the United States Patent and Trademark Office to get a priority date. Now, why is the priority date important? The priority date or the filing date is important because we are in a first-to-file U.S. patent system. It's no longer the first to invent, which means that if I invent something before you, but you as a subsequent inventor file something before me with the patent office, your rights in that invention trump mine, right? So it's sort of the sort of that you snooze, you lose model when it comes to patent filings. Hold on, and hold on, hold on just one I'm quick gonna second. What, I'm going to ask first, Louis, then you can come on next. So the one right. thing that people used to say is if you think you've got a great idea 
put in an envelope, mail it to yourself so that you have a postage date on that envelope for you to prove the date in which you did that. Is that garbage? Yeah, that's no longer relevant, and here's why. Because in 2013, um, the administration at the time passed what's called the America Invents Act, the AIA, and under that act, we're no longer first to invent, but we're first to file. Um, the mailing to yourself and getting a stamp date was evidence to show the USPTO, look, I have this invention, and there's a post-stamp date that sort of supports my my position that I'm, my invention date happened on that particular time and, and date. Um, it's no longer relevant because it's first to file. So even if you have that dated stamp uh, and envelope mailed to yourself or letter mailed to yourself, it doesn't really matter because if I filed for you, you're sort of out of luck. Okay. Louie, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no, my question was, you see a lot of times uh, people say patent uh, pending. Is that to detour people not to try to do it? Or, uh, I mean, or is it just the process that he goes through and you got to put patent pending? Is that how it goes? Or what's, what's the yeah, good question, Louis. So patent pending is a tag that you can put on either when you file a provisional application or a non-provisional so the minute you file a provisional, and most of the filings are now done electronically with the under the at the USPTO website. Um, when you file a provisional or non-provisional, when it's successfully filed and you get a, t- a timestamp on that filing electronically, you can start putting a patent pending tag on your invention. A patent pending tag basically means exactly that: that you've taken proactive measures uh, of filing a patent application with the United States and Patent Trademark Office and with the hope that eventually it would be granted. And it also serves as sort of a notice to third parties to say that, hey, listen, we're in the first to file U.S. patent system. And I've already taken measures to file protection, exclusive protection for this invention. And so you better not do that because if you do it, it'll be, A, either not fruitful for you, or two, if you don't do it and just develop a product from it, eventually when I do get a patent on it, I'm going to come after you. For infringement, so it's a good good way to to let others third parties know that you have taken steps to protect this exclusive invention that you have. Okay. But so the question is, let's say your patent pending, I can do the research and say, well, patent pending, I can still grab that that idea or that concept that you're trying to trademark and maybe try to redo it. Or can it be done or no? I'm sorry, I didn't hear the last part, Louis. Can you repeat that again? If, if they, let's say, let, let's talk about, for instance, a, a, an apparatus for baseball. I see a patent pending on it. I do the research. It's been like that for a couple of years. Nothing has happened. I go out and I try to say, you know what? Patent pending. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's doing it. Maybe it's run out of money. I go ahead and take the idea and I, I go ahead and try to do, a, do it and do a patent. Can you, can you do that? Yeah, you can do that. I mean, obviously, you know, you have to do a little more research to find out. Simply because you see patent pending doesn't mean that that invention is exactly similar to yours. Now, maybe, you know, that's why you can hire someone, a patent attorney or somebody, or patent agent or somebody with sufficient knowledge uh, to research that what that invention was filed for and see whether or not there's differences or significant improvements on the patent pending invention that was filed for patent protection 
versus your subsequent invention. A good example may be, let's say, if the prior inventor filed for a pencil and it's patent pending, that doesn't automatically mean that you cannot file a subsequent invention that's similar to that theirs. You, maybe you file for invention of a mechanical pencil. Now, a mechanical pencil is serves the same utility factor, which is an, a writing instrument for uh, for uh, for people to to memorize what their thoughts are. But now you have the spring mechanism, you have lead uh, compartment. You know, it's no longer made of wood. So there's all these different factors that differentiate the prior pencil from your subsequent mechanical pencil. And you certainly have rights to file for protection on this improvement that I just gave an example of. Louis, you know when you ask a lawyer a question, you get a lawyer answer, right? (laughs) Okay. So let's explain in simple to understand modern English, a provisional patent versus a non-provisional. There's a huge cost difference. The process is different. So explain to everybody what that is. Yeah, so provisional patent is an informal application that gets filed. I typically recommend provisional patents for my inventors who are still in the preliminary phase. They have come up with invention, but there's improvements to be made. They're still seeking manufacturers. They're still seeking investors. And so it's a good way to sort of file it in the first file U.S. patent system to at least get that priority date. A provisional patent typically is only one year, so if you file it today, it only lasts for... Uh, one year, and you need to either A, um, do something about it, file a non-provisional on or before this date, or B, not do anything, in which case it will simply abandon. A non-provisional... So, that, so that's one end. year for a provisional, correct? Yeah, it's only a one-year term. It's an informal application. It does not get... It, it doesn't get examined by the USPTO. Uh, it's just for you to say, hey, listen, I have this invention. This is my disclosure. Now, why is provisional important? Because the disclosure that you make in your provisional is what you can eventually translate to your non-provisional. So, for example, going back to my pencil example, if you disclose all embodiments of of a pencil in your provisional, you can transfer that over to a non-provisional. But now, if you haven't claimed the embodiments of a mechanical pencil, i.e. the spring or the lead compartment, etc., right? You cannot translate those in non-provision because it would be considered as a new matter. And you can never add new matter um, to a non-provisional that was not filed in the provisional. Well, you could, but you're not going to get the same priority date of a provisional, if that makes sense. Okay, so I'm starting out a business. I've got a good idea. I'm still trying to get funding. A provisional patent is so much less expensive than a non-provisional, correct? Yeah, it's significantly less expensive. Um, depending on the complexity of the invention, uh, I, I put a little disclaimer there. Uh, if your invention is complex invention, like a software patent, then it's still, uh, you know, relatively uh, costly to to draft, but it's not as expensive as a non-provisional. Non-provisional typically will run you $8,500 and up, depending on the complexity of invention. A provisional, depending on how simple or complex it is, could be anywhere from $1,500 and up, um, again, depending that'll, on the complexity. That was going to be my next question. Cost. What are the costs involved? Does it depend on the, the whatever you're building, or is it just a flat feed, or how is it? 
Uh, also depends on who you're dealing with. There's some attorneys that will charge you hourly rates on patent applications. Um, from from what I've seen, most of them will charge a flat fee, and it also depends on the experience of the patent attorney, the complexity of the invention. But typically, uh, from what I've seen, it's flat fee for provisional and non-provisionals. Okay, so. It's cheaper, it's quicker. I consider that to be the friendship ring that you're giving your girlfriend saying at some point in the future, I might decide to become engaged, right? Right. Okay. So you got a year coming, you finally got your funds in, and now you're saying, I want a full-blown non-provisional patent. What do you have to do right. to convert your provisional to a full-blown non-provisional patent? Well, I recommend that you contact a patent attorney. Uh, hopefully it's the one that drafted your provision, but it doesn't have to be. Um, and I would give it at least a couple of months till that deadline date. I wouldn't call your patent attorney the day before and say, hey, my, my expiration date for my provision is tomorrow. What can you do? I don't think that's an ideal situation for you or the attorney. Uh, what I recommend is, as you see that deadline date for your provisional approaching, uh, two months out, I would contact your patent attorney and say, hey, I have the necessary funds now to take the next step. I have made some improvements. They're not significant, but they're, there's some improvements that we can accommodate in our non-provisional um, without risking adding new matter. Um, I would formalize my invention more. Uh, if, there's, if there's things that need to be worked out as far as uh, the best mode or operating mode that you want from your invention, I would, I would definitely have that ready. And then pretty much you draft the non-provisional. It's going to be a full-blown application. It's going to have various components to it. It's going to have formal drawings. Um, and then you pretty much file the non-provisional. Okay, so here comes the other issue. Most people don't realize getting a patent is really nice. It's a great thing to get it. But being able to defend that patent, because if somebody violates it, it's my responsibility as an owner of the patent to sue somebody else who I believe is in violation of my patent, correct? Yes. As, as a patent owner, you have to police your own exclusive rights um, that have been given to you to exclude others from using, selling, or offering to sell your invention that's been patented. And that's why you don't want to be writing up your own patent. You want a lawyer to do this so that if there's ever a violation of that patent, that you've got grounds because you've got this legal team that's put this together and they want to protect what they did for you, correct? Well, that's one of the reasons. The other reason also is, is the monetization. And I think a lot of people forget that. A patent is not just for you to prevent others or police others. You can monetize from your invention, whether you sell it um, to another business or a big corporation who is interested in your um, invention, or you license it. So, you know, when it comes to those two things, you want to make sure that your invention is, is adequately and comprehensively disclosed in order for you to say, hey, these are my exclusive rights, which definitely helps in terms of licensing and monetization because now you are the only person or whoever you license to is the only entity that could sell the products that's related to that invention or a process related to that invention. Okay, so let's talk about those ads I see on TV all the time. If you've got an invention, call one of these places that they're going to they're gonna look at your invention for you. What's the scam there? Yeah, I can't, I don't want to get too much into it, but 
uh, I do want to say this. Be careful in terms of who you give your money to because a lot of these companies that you see out there could be just simply marketing companies. They're not necessarily getting you a patent or getting a licensing deal. They, they, they may claim that they're putting your <clears throat> inventions out on a trade show, but they might not be doing it. They might just be doing it on some small publication. So do your due diligence just because you see an ad there and 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 other people are doing it. You just necessarily don't want to do it. You want to definitely contact someone who has the necessary knowledge to not only protect your invention, but to help you take the next steps, which is to build prototypes, manufacture invention, or license it and monetize it in other ways. Would you recommend if somebody thought they had a good idea to go on to like a Google Patents and take a look and see if there's something there? I mean, they're not going to get the full breadth of knowledge that you might have, but at least this way they could see if there's something there. Yeah, absolutely. I do recommend if you are an inventor and obviously you're smart because you're inventing something, um, you can go on Google Patents and, and, and do a search, a basic search. Uh, if you are more familiar with it, you can do a deep deep dive search into it based on uh, different classifications, etc., cetera, uh, to get inventions that are relevant within the field of art. Now, of course, you can go on the USPTO.gov website as well. Um, under the patents subcategory, there's a way for you to search on the USPTO's um, patent register, all the inventions that are published and, and patents that have been granted. I had this idea years ago that I was going to put a little device inside your pillow attached to an alarm clock. So instead of getting awoken to bells and screaming sounds, that it would just vibrate your pillow softly to wake you up. And I looked. And there was like two similar patents out there. It's amazing what's you had, there. You had a different idea, Alan. No, I didn't. So no. it's amazing what <laughs> those ideas are that they're there and people just didn't move forward with them. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that people have so many great ideas, but the fear of taking the next steps or how much it's going to cost me or, you know, do I have the time to do it really, really prevents them from potentially monetizing this great invention that could help others. Right? Imagine like if you were to say, hey, whenever you came with the idea, let me contact a patent attorney, let me do a Google uh, patent search, uh, let me take at least the next basic steps um, to at least file either a provisional or whatever the case may be. Uh, it might be a different outlook because you always, you never know. You know, you have inventors that are as young as 18, 19 years old who come up with great inventions and next thing you know, a big corporation finds the invention to be great that could be marketed, monetized on, and they get a good licensing deal or outright buy, you know, people buy the patent from them. Um, so my recommendation is if you have a great idea, don't sleep on it. Please contact your patent attorney, see the merits of the invention, see what you can do at least to protect it or if there's something similar out there in the patent landscape, and then decide whether or not you want to move forward or not. Kostube, how does somebody reach you to discuss their brilliant next multi-billion dollar idea that they need to protect? Yeah, sure. Um, I can be reached via my website, which is www.netcarneylaw.com. Spell that? That's N-A-D-K-A-R-N-I-Law.com. Or they can reach me via <clears throat> my email, which is IP, so Ice Cream Paul. IP at netcarneylaw.com. My phone number is 786-300-1227. 786-300-1227. We can't thank you enough for being here with us and giving us this invaluable information that will help anybody who's thinking about starting their business and protecting their intellectual property, their idea, their software, whatever it is, but you got to speak to a guy. 
like Custube to understand what your legal rights are. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Good day. This is Alan, Secret to My Success with... We're going to go with our producer who's finally back. Dawn! Hi, Alan. I can't believe you came back. I am back. We you're, missed you. You're stuck with me now. Right? Yeah. Well, I think the restraining order that you had against Louie and I has expired, <laughs> and you're able to come back. Is that what it was? It was just against you, Alan. Ah, I'm so sorry. I did apologize publicly, though. Oh, what is that? Does he have, does he have something with him? <laughs> He's got... Oh, my God. <laughs> Hold on. He's... We're not going there yet. Hold on. Hey, Louie, are you there? <laughs> I'm here. Lewis, we have the great Tommaso, but he is, first of all, buddies with Joe Pesci, and he brought his buddy in here. So maybe, Joe, you can introduce the great Tommaso. Yeah, right, no problem. Yeah, but it's the amazing Tommaso, because I'm uh, Joe Pesci, the illusionist, and uh, hey, I just want to say hi to you. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Tommaso. That was so good, Joe. Thank you. <clears throat> Mr. Tommaso, what you got for us, brother? Magic. Who loves magic? I, 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 want, I want to know if you can do this trick for me and disappear Alan for about a week. <laughs> well, oh, we could do that easy. Well, that's a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, I got a free trip to Vegas. You going? <laughs> okay, so Mr. Tommaso, where are you from? I am originally from Yonkers, New York. Does that make you a Yankees fan? Or that is correct, fan? the Yankees. Yeah. Yankees. We were just talking Sorry about them. Sorry for you. Going Not down. Here for you, Bubba. Yeah. That's awful. It's okay. Four in a row. Yeah. They were hoping to come back like the 04 Red Sox. It didn't happen. But I do have a soft spot for the Mets. You d- I, I still have my bat day. I still have the stuffed Mr. Met really? doll. Yeah. You know, Louie used to coach for the Mets. Hey, Louie. Louie, you there? <laughs> Louie, did, did you try You don't want to that? admit that or something? Is <laughs> That's why you didn't answer? Well, you know, that year with the Mets, it wasn't, it wasn't very memorable about that. Okay. Okay. It was, uh, you know, you had good players, but it was just a very difficult year for the match. And obviously, uh, the changes in management have made it possible to be a little bit, a little bit better. Okay. So, Mr. Tommaso, you moved from New York to where? Yonkers down here. Came down to Florida in 97. Really? Yes. Was and it a warrant? I, it was a I smart move. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, what and chased you, you out of New York? You get into... I had I'm getting to magic. Oh, what, what what question should I ask first? Answer. What chased you out of New York? What chased me out of New York? I had to get out. It was time. It's too cold. Okay. Way too cold. Bones are starting to hurt. What were you doing in New York? I um, was working at Tiffany & Co. I'm a diamond setter by trade. Started mm. when I was 15. I worked up there for um, 
nine years. Okay, so here's my problem. You're a magician and illusionist. Yes. I don't know if I want to take my diamonds into a guy who can make it disappear and, and reappear fairly quickly. <laughs> I never told him that I was a magician until like years of just doing it. All of a sudden at the Christmas party, I'm doing magic. Right? And yeah. <laughs> I started doing magic. I told him I'm going to make crystal bottles become diamonds. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that'd be a great trick, but it probably goes the other way. So Louie had the yeah. question, how did you get into magic? So my dad had shown me a trick when I was uh, nine years old, 10 years old. He changed a nickel to a penny and a penny to a dime. And I was caught. I just got the bug. I loved it. I went to my brother's closet, stole his magic set. I never forget that was uh, Mark Wilson's set. And um, I started practicing in my room Hold on. every day. A nickel to a penny, a penny to a dime? Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't be some, become some sort of financial advisor. No, 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 no not really. You picked magic. Yes. Okay, yes. keep going. And um, I just got stuck and I just did private parties. I started doing it, started uh, working at magic shops in uh, Tuckahoe, uh, in, in Yonkers. And then when I came down here, I was doing shows down here. And I decided to say, you know what? I think it'll work if I open up a magic shop. There wasn't any down here. I'm one of, I think, I'm just, I think there's two. There's another one up on, um, on Southern, and I think that just there's me. And, but I have the theater and uh, museum magic shop. When I first opened, I had uh, just a magic shop where I had vintage collectibles. I had jewelry, costume jewelry. I was making it different. It was magic and jewelry, magic and collectibles. And there was a place next door that was being used, and I waited for them to go out. And I rented that space out and turned it into the theater and magic. Theater and museum, I should say. Let's go backwards. You tell your family you're going to make a full-time living out of being a magician well, that's and why opening a store. That's why mom said you need a trade, and that's why I was a diamond setter at okay. Tiffany's. So did they all tell you you were crazy? Yeah, and still do. <laughs> they do. They said, you're absolutely out of your head. I can't believe you want to try and make a living out of what little boys always love to play. Right. Right. Okay. And it worked. Um, I enjoy being on the stage. I love people. I do comedy and magic. I do a lot of interaction with the kids, kid shows, interaction with the adults. I get everybody involved. You know, I go back. I tell them to get off those phones. I know we need them now, but I tell the kids to get off the phones and have fun and use your imagination. That's what magic is. It's funny. Years ago, I brought my son into your shop. He's super yep. introvert. I'm like, Michael, <laughs> if you ever want to meet a woman, either you're going to make them laugh or you're going to figure something else out. And you actually have to... Go get a couple magic tricks. Yeah. And he bought them. I think he did it twice. Never went back. And I'm so right. disappointed. But it's all right. It broke him out of his shell. Right? That's all. That's, that's how I feel. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. It's an, it is good. That's what I try to do. I give lessons at the place. You know? How did COVID affect your business? Funny you should ask that. I um, had to close one of the shops. And it wasn't going to be the theater m museum because I can always move the magic there. So I got rid of the magic shop, brought it into the theater museum. So now it's Tommaso's Magic Shop Theater Museum. So I have pieces there that are vintage. I have pieces that are antiques, books. I have magic to sell. I have magic to teach. I also perform there. I have a stage in there. It's a thousand square feet, but I fit about good 20, 25 people. I have close-up shows, BYOB, BYOB. W. What does BYOB mean to you? <laughs> bring your own bottle or okay, just bring your own bong or bring your own water or wine. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> and um, so far, so good, but it's slowed down a bit. Everybody is kind of laying low. Moms are getting a little, they're getting antsy with the kids now. 
They want the parties. They're asking me to come to their birthday parties and perform. So that's getting better. Yeah. Now, you used to do a bunch <clears throat> of stuff in restaurants. Yes. The old restaurant game. I started out, when I came down, was Pete Rose. And that's where I had met this gentleman here. <laughs> and a friend of ours, Kevin. Yes. Um, Pete Rose was not a nice guy. Well, he signed my, my uh, handkerchief because it was red. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's funny. Yeah, hey, so well, I have a picture. I have, oh, a, I have a, my scarf. He's a signed. nice guy. He's a nice guy? He is a nice guy. He is. He was a nice guy if you're a hot 25-year-old girl. He would do anything for <laughs> no, you. No, but he... No, no, no. No, no, not that, not that nice. day. There was a... Um, not that day. Right? <laughs> not that day. <laughs> I saw guys going up to him asking him for an autograph at the restaurant. He's like, look. I, he wouldn't... I mean, dinner. Leave me alone. That's what he said. Right. But if there was a 25-year-old pretty girl, hold on. Well, he must have liked my legs because... <laughs> and what would you do, Alan? What would I do? Yeah. I don't know. I never had that opportunity. I'm not really thinking about that. But, yo, thank you for the question, Don. So, I, he is the greatest of all time in baseball. No question. He loved the magic. He right. loved magic. I went over to him, started doing magic. He was very nice. I signed my red scarf because he saw it was red. I'll sign it because it's red. He had his white jumpsuit, um, jogging suit with his gold Adidas in the back yeah, okay. he's wearing that day I'll never forget it nice <laughs> white with the gold Adidas are you still doing any of the restaurants or that's kind of no I was at Duffy's also then I went to Duffy's then I went to um, Alabama Alabama Joe's uh, I was at Duffy's for 15 years on Jog and uh, uh, Jog Road and uh, Boynton Beach, Beach. Yeah. yeah yep hi everybody out there who used to go there it's me but they don't want you out there anymore they're closing down the, the situation as far as entertaining you know, going into restaurants. There are some places that will do it, maybe private, but corporate changes, I guess. So I haven't been at Duffy's. I haven't been at... The Pete Rose is gone. It's now a pre-K place. Right. Pre-kindergarten. And uh, Wings Plus. Give you a little plug, Wings. Um, I work there occasionally. You know, hopefully he'll start going again. You know. And he's, I mean, he he's, has the restaurant, but it's not me there. We talk about business. Yep. Magic's really cool, but how do you get the word out? I mean, you could be the greatest guy in the world, but if you don't have people coming knocking at your door right. to do business, to hire you, it, it becomes hard to be successful. Yeah. Um, well, I did a lot of word of mouth. That's the best. And, of course, Facebook has helped me um, performing, um, letting people know. It gets around. It really does get around. But it's the question of are people more interested in it? It's not the question of people just coming. It's a go-to place. You know, a lot of people know about it. Not enough, maybe, but I'm on Google. I'm on. I'm on everywhere. Tomaso's Magic Shop. Louis, you're pretty local. Did you know about this place right up the road from you? No, not at all. Never heard of it. And how old are your kids? Uh, 14, 12, and ten. See, those kids want to come in and see this stuff. Yeah. Are no? they Are they interested? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like. I put a quarter in their ear, and, and I come out with a lollipop out of my pocket. That's magic that I do. <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> no, a lot of the kids like the phone. They like their games. They want to stay home and eat snacks and play on their games. That's what they like. Right? They're going to have diabetes no, before they're 20. <laughs> that's, what, that's the society now. So I try to change that. I try to get people what out there. The most difficult, what is the most difficult trick uh, that you have done and you say, and people still ask me, you know, how do you do it? How do you do it? Which is the most uh, difficult one. There's no difficult one for me. I, I enjoy it all. I do it all. I do close-up. I do cups and balls, coins, cards, stage, doves, rabbit, snake. 
I enjoy it all. Every Sounds aspect like a lunch of show. It. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy every aspect of it. I really do. I've been doing it for over 40 years, and I really enjoy it. So you watch The Sopranos? Yeah. You know when you're made, they take you in a room. You know, you can never leave the family. They yeah. do the whole thing. Right? Pesci was in uh, Goodfellas, and they put a bullet in him. Sorry, yeah. Joe. But anyway, so did they make you do the same thing when you're anointed a magician? No. No, no, but I did get a, a presidential citation for having the store open through such tough times from right. the International Brotherhood of Magicians. That was a very great award. But it's against your magician vow to actually ever yeah. tell anybody how tell you, you do a trick. No, it would just it would just ruin. But when you do come in there to buy a trick, the trick is taught. When the trick is bought, you read a credo. Make sure never to tell the secrets. And right, tell you them. Yeah, sure. I would, I would imagine that has to be the case. I do that all the time. I have a buddy of mine who's a magician, it. and when everybody asked him how he did it, he said, I do it very well. There, all the time. Is that what you're... Or saying? very carefully. Okay, that's the standard answer. Yeah. So they actually train you on how to tell people, well, I'm not telling you. Well, I actually have taught myself, but now I'm training people not to tell anybody. <laughs> right? Yes. That makes sense. Come on, Don, you got something for me. What do you got? You put me on the spot, Alan. I did. You know, I had to. Do I need an assistant? You asked me that before. I did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do, you as a matter of fact. Yes. <laughs> right? Cut you in half. Yeah. I you're, think I would get him for uh, Taylor's birthday party coming you're, up. You're going to cut her in half? If she'd want. I'll pay to be there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> in fact, I'll bring my saw. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. Anything for you, Don. I love you, too. <laughs> We're getting back to the restraining order, aren't we? Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> so... Typical age range that you see people are bringing you in for parties? Seven-year-olds, um, seven six-year-olds are coming in for lessons. I just had a mom come in with her daughter, did a bubble trick, turns a bubble into a real solid bubble. Um, I do shows from high chairs to wheelchairs. I really do. I do every senior homes. I've done um, shows for for big, 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 big people. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew. That's why I had, you know. <laughs> okay. It's all good. It's all good. It was a friends and family day. Okay. Nice. Yes. Bachelorette parties. That'd be good. So Yeah, I have, I've done bachelorette parties. Yeah, yeah you don't want to do a bachelor yeah. party. Who wants yeah, you at a bachelor party? Bachelorette no. parties, yeah. Right? No, bachelorette. Women or love it. Make my fiance disappear? I I'm, mean, what? I'm doing a wedding shower in February. You know, I have a lot of different you know, mm -hmm. bar mitzvahs I don't do anymore. Okay. Yeah. Boys are... You don't do bar mitzvahs? No. Only bas mitzvahs? No, not even bat mitzvahs. Okay. No, I can't Are you Jewish? That. Yes, half. You are? Yeah. Which half? Uh, my mom. Okay. Hungarian, Budapest. Nice. Yeah. Mom's, a t dad's Italian, a Sicilian. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you got yeah. a nice mix. That's it. You know, either way, you're going to the top of the middle, man, but you get the same <laughs> result, right? That's, That's right. I'm smart. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you this question, okay? And I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> on average... You know, a small party versus a large event. Give me an idea of price. What do what do people typically pay to bring you to an event? Sure, three seventy five. That's a, an hour show. That includes animals. So I drive to get there. I set up, do your show, pack up, drive back home. Okay, so you mean so to tell like me a three hour gig? You only paid your friend up there three seventy five, or he only paid you three seventy five. <clears throat> Oh, no, no. <laughs> That's a bigger okay. event, right? Yeah, no. so yeah, there's different price points depending on what's going on, yes, right? Yes, but I was smart because I didn't charge him too much, so now I got there eight times. So eight nice. years. Why? Every year I was up there. Okay. And I gave cards out that shows for a lot of people up here. Excellent. Yeah. 
really good. Networking. See, that's my, that's, Networking. that's old school. That's yeah. all. I'm sorry. If you're in the right place and proof is in the pudding, they see you in action, they want you. I think I've we need to lucky. get you some gigs and some. It'd car, be great in some car dealerships. Car dealer. Yeah, you know. Yeah, what? I've done. I've done um, Lamborghini yep. up here, up in Palm Beach. Um, Ferrari. I did a show for Ferrari party, a little private party down in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Nothing aggravates me more sitting in a car dealership for hours waiting for and them waiting. to get their stuff done. So I'm thinking any type of business that has people sitting around and waiting, you distracting them makes that go by so much faster. That's interesting. That yeah. is good. Yeah. That is right? good. I don't know if the company would enjoy that, though. But what do you think? I think but the and company that's paying their, you? They're keeping well, the, uh, the customers happy while they're sitting around there for hours. While oh, yeah. What a keys, great experience. Right? Oh, if yeah. the customers are there, yeah. If they right. feel, yeah. You know, you get off lace lonely. I, you know, I've been up yeah. there a couple of times. I mean, I just can't go back not to name it because we actually, we had the general manager that was there that started his own place. Uh and it's interesting. People don't want to sit around and wait. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think of it that way. Right? Hmm. Make your customers happy. Let's distract the fact that you are awful and you will waste <laughs> hours of their time and I'm going to make them right. happy it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. before restaurant. they come to see you. It's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. restaurants. When the kitchens got backed up, I went to a table, wasting time for them. them. Next thing you know, I was like, oh, here's the food. Right? That was fast. What do you think, Louie? What other businesses need to distract their uh, patrons? Dugouts. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not a dugout? No, I think, I mean, I think you said, I mean, the worst one is for me, it's, it's either waiting at the dealership. That's the worst because you know you've been in the shower. And, you know, trying to, trying to make time go quick. And I think that's, you hit it in the head. That's kind of like the worst one. But, you know, maybe uh, waiting in the doctor's office. I don't know. <laughs> Can you imagine him in the doctor's office? Hey, let me make your prostate disappear. Watch <laughs> this. <laughs> no? I do that. I, I brought out magic. <laughs> no, wait, they're waiting. I got they're bored. Waiting. I got bored. Right? I go, you guys want to see anything? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, hey, you want to see a trick? Hey, comes Halloween. I want to see a trick. Are we going to get some Can tricks you show now? Yeah, it's Halloween. You have to say trick or treat. Trick or treat. <laughs> You're going to have to show or treat. A trick. Trick or treat. <laughs> <laughs> no, but now I, now that Halloween's here, I'll ask the kids when they come to the door, they'll say, no, I'll say trick or treat. I'll say, which one do you want? Trick or a treat? And how many kids actually say, I want a trick? Everyone. <laughs> really? Yes. Because they know you. No, 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 not at all. They just are curious. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? It's yeah. a trick. Really? Because they, you could they pull, challenge you. You could pull out a, a super soaker water bottle and say trick. No, right? No, no a trick. You know they they know what a trick is. Really? I'm thinking you're messing with me. No, 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 no. no. Okay, so there's an event this coming Saturday over in Lantana, uh, right over there for the Halloween Preserve. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. You should follow the local community stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. We should have you come out. Okay. You should come on and hang out with us. I'll give you a free hot dog. Oh, that's good. Yeah? I like the hot dog. <laughs> okay, so do you want to show Don a trick? Don, you want to see a trick? I want to see a trick. Is it Don or Dawn? Dawn. Dawn. Yeah, you're from New York. She's you from New York, it, right? Dawn. Yeah, Dawn. It's not Don. Dawn of the dead. <laughs> you're, where are you from, Dawn? Born in Jersey, grew up on oh, Long Island. What exit? In Jersey, yeah. the Tom's River, Seaside Heights area. There you go. Yeah. Did you want to see my friend? I brought her out before. I want to see your friend. <laughs> I saw hey, him. dude, put that away. I wasn't sure if that was real or not. He's got a little animal in his hand. Oh, is that what they're calling it Just now? Just so you know. Well, I guess that was wrong, too. <laughs> I can't even get it. You're going to keep doing I'm it. I'm going to keep going. Yeah, you are. You really are. 
to quit while I'm ahead. Oh, uh, that restraining okay. order's coming. So he's putting a deck of cards up here. Yeah, that's so, it. Don't touch them. Don't touch them? No, 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 because this is the trick. Oh, okay. I have another deck here that you can see. All right, so it's a small deck of cards, and now he's mm -hmm. shuffling a fake deck of cards. That's right. I'm going to do play Using by your play imagination, I'm I would like you to choose one. Go ahead. Okay. All right, I'm choosing a card out of the fake deck here. Okay, the look at your card. Show on the card. Okay. All right, good. You're not really giving me a card, are you? Put it back? Yep. Okay. Okay, good. All right, you put it upside down. Put it upside down? It's okay, yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> Listen, you've been looking at that deck the whole time. I haven't touched it. No. Nothing at all. Correct. I don't have many of them here, but the it's there. The deck is still sitting in the middle of the thing here. Did you see your here. card, Alan? Did you see her I card? I did see my card. I didn't see your card. I saw it in my imagination. I saw my there card. There you go. Imagination is key. That's all right, it. so tell Alan your card. Tell Alan my card? Mm -hmm. Just say it. Yeah, but you're right here. Uh, yeah, I know. Oh, I'm sorry. Before I left the house, I made a prediction. Okay. It's in that pack. Go ahead. Say your card. Uh, so you can 52, hear 52 cards are in the deck. It's a 12, a 12 of, of... There's 12, no such as 12. No 12. Oh, there isn't 12. That's <laughs> a it goes ace to 10, jack, queen, king. Wow. <laughs> Dawn, that's so impressive. <laughs> Talk about this destroying the man's... my head. It's okay. Right. right. Can I do it again? It's fine. We're on talk radio. Okay. That's good. We can okay. do it again. We can talk about it all What day. card are you imagining? A ten of hearts. The ten of hearts. Look, I'm going to spread this apart. Yeah, look. I'll let you see it too. And I put it upside down. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Here, look. Oh, 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 oh. Uh -oh, uh oh. All right, so it fell. So he grabbed the real deck of cards, and now he's putting What's it What's with there? There's a light <gasps> That's what it is. is that? It's the ten of hearts. How did you do that? Very well Don't! I even, <laughs> I even screwed up, right? And he you, got you it right. Up. I did screw up. Right? 12. <laughs> so, yes. Okay. He just pulled a ten of he hearts. He pulled the ten of hearts out of the, the tiny little card deck. Right. It was upside down. With his little furry friend. <laughs> With my little furry friend. <laughs> That's pretty impressive, wasn't it? That was very impressive. Now, I'm sitting here next to him. You're sitting across from him, and I have no idea how he did it. No, me So, either. it's not like... Yeah. You know, with my cousin Vinny, he's palming the deck, you know. He's doing that, <laughs> there. I know what he's doing. Yeah, I know that. Right? Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. You got to cover it up. I know what he's doing. Okay. So, you want to show her one more trick? I sure. do. Yes. Do you really? Trick or treat. Trick. Trick. I'll take a trick. You'll take a trick. Okay. I'll take a trick. Very good. All right. Can we video this? Sure. He's videoing it. Are you videoing it? I'll get the whole yeah. thing. Okay. So Different colors. Different colors. Yes. Now he's holding up a, a stick, a small different little colors stick that sides. has different colors on see it. it. Okay. Uh -huh, I see it. All right. Now, choose a number, one to six. <laughs> Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> we saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> okay, got it. Tell us the number. I have to tell you the number? <laughs> Point. Okay. You wow. ask me. Well, I, I know, but that's I kind have of to. Everything's I have to. It kind of kills the magic of it. But it's I have five. to. Five. Five. Here, look. Well, I'm going to show you why. Okay. How do you spell five? Um, uh, <laughs> oh, no. That's not happening. Don, I she can't spell five. F-I-V-E. F-I-V-E. So -E. No. Would you? Would you <laughs> don't ask her to add to five. F-I-V-E. Uh, what color is that? Silver. Silver. Okay. Showed you the different colors. Now okay. watch. Watch this. Ready? Watch. Okay. Now he's flipping all the stuff around. Ooh, now it's all silver. On both sides. On both sides. Now watch. Now it's back. Very good. And on the other side is only your color. It's silver. Nice. That's pretty impressive. That was impressive. I have no idea. 
There it so is. If I brought There's it the rub. There's the rub. <laughs> Waiting for the rub. It turns into a 10. <laughs> Here you go. Oh, no, he set up one to seven, I right? sell these at the magic shop. Oh, you do? Yes. Yeah. They're Can called we go there, Fantastic we Stick. Go there. Yes, we should make a road trip one 500 day. 500 Lantana Road. I'm easy. That'll work. Don't don't go don't go towards the, the beach. It's much closer than that. It's east over 95. Okay, so I'm going to ask you. Tell me about the worst show you've ever done. Something went wrong. It was bad. A parent, a kid. Talk to me about your nightmare. A bar mitzvah. Okay. Let's hear <laughs> I went to this one. Um, apparently, I did the fire wallet trick, and I get a tap on my shoulder from the woman that, not the woman that hired me, but the woman that runs the place and says, my house, my rules, no fire. Hmm. I said, okay, no problem. I said, then you should remove the candles off the table. And then uh, that was really, I think, the most embarrassing thing. But the worst show, I've never had any bad shows. I really haven't. They're all good, seriously. That would be maybe the worst thing that ever happened to me, you know, talk. But no, I had great shows. Everybody enjoys it. I have fun. No Uncle Buck moments where you showed up as a drunk clown, punched in the face? No, nothing nothing like like that. that. No, I've had a lot of fun. Everybody has a good sense of humor, you know, doing magic, bringing everybody up, having them interact with me. It's a lot of fun. It really is. Love it. Tommaso, so, the amazing Tommaso. How does somebody reach you? And you have to answer your phone. How does somebody reach you? <laughs> <laughs> the amazing Tommaso. Facebook, you can call me um, on my phone at the store, 561-469-2245. That's One more time, slower. 561-469-2245. Tommaso's Magic Shop Theater and Magic. And what's your address? 500 Lantana Road. All ages. Come in. I teach all ages. You have to say it right. What's that? Say Lantana. Uh, Lantana. Lantana. It's Lantana. 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 Alan, say banana. Banana. Yeah, okay. See? See? Sorry, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Still a New Yorker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a New Yorker. I'm just kidding. I'm from Connecticut. We don't. Worse yet. We don't talk funny, you know? (laughs) Talk. That's not that bad. It's all right. Hey, Louie, you still there? Louis, don't, yeah, for, yeah, don't forget yeah, to bring your children. Louis, did you like that magic uh, well, trick? <laughs> I wish I would have seen it. <laughs> Come to Tommaso's Magic Shop. Louis, we're going to have to get Located on there. He's going to have 500 you. Lantana. It's pretty impressive. I do Christmas parties, too. Christmas oh, parties. I mean, I look like, um, it'll be great to uh, do one for the kids. And I'm only kidding. I do bar mitzvahs. Well, <laughs> yeah, all right. So come on down. I'll teach, teach you some magic. Well, I don't want to learn. I just want to see it. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, I we have get, shows there. Yeah. I'll let you know when I have a show. We yeah. need to wrap this thing up. The Tommaso, the great Tommaso. You're I, a good man. I can't thank you guys enough for having me here. I really am. Um, really appreciate it. You've always made my kids laugh. They used to love going to a restaurant to see you. That the was, yeah. Balloons, Duffy's. all the stuff that you did. I know. Uh, yeah. That was I Pete Rose. It. Yep, Pete Rose. Yeah, my good kids days. were really little. Yeah. Crazy. good time. I had a good time, but I do it all, and I still do it. So anybody need me, give Tommaso a call, the magician. Contrary to who you ever do events for, you're a good man. Well, thank you. And we hope to see you Saturday over at the Lantana event. All right, I, I'm going to find out about that. That's great. Tommaso's Magic Shop. Dawn, is there anything else? Thank you. Dawn, thank great. you so much. Thank, thank you. you very much. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? 
Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Thanks for listening to The Secret to My Success on Legends 100.3.